You're listening to a teaching from Vintage Church LA. This week, we're hearing from Associate Pastor Ash Meany. Well, as Glenn Packham suggested last week, the Holy Spirit's not an impersonal power. He's not a ghost or some form of Star Wars force. Do you like that? Do you get that? But God's personal presence, God's personal presence. The Bible describes him as the advocate alongsider, wonderful counselor, spirit of truth, all of which suggest a personal and relational dynamic. He makes real the presence of God's love in our hearts, securing our identity as his children that we could know God our Father as Abba, Father. He's closer to us than we are to ourselves. There's no one on the planet that knows you or I better or more intimately than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also God's powerful presence, calling, guiding, anointing, and empowering people at particular times for particular purposes. He's the life giver who meets us in our broken places, who brings healing and transformation forming and shaping us into the image of Christ. But he's also God's equipping presence. God's equipping presence, meaning he not only wants to partner with us in our transformation into his likeness, but he wants to equip us to live the Christian life in our everyday, wherever we find ourselves in our city. He's God's active, ongoing reality in our lives, empowering us to witness for Jesus and to extend his kingdom. And one of the primary ways he does this is through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So let's read what Paul has to say about spiritual gifts from his letter, 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, 4 to 11, where he says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by that same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Let me give us a definition of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are divine abilities given to every Christian, every Christian, by the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to be used to serve and strengthen one another, to build the church and glorify God. And there are three main passages in the New Testament that list the spiritual gifts. We've just looked at one of them, 1 Corinthians 12, 8 to 10 and verse 28. Romans 12, 6 to 8 
and Ephesians 4.11. And Paul's writing these letters to address issues of immaturity in a church that's struggling to learn how to live in the Spirit's power and use the spiritual gifts. So it's important to recognize that he never intended these lists to be exhaustive, but representative of just some of the ways God equips his people to live in the presence and power of the Spirit. One of the words he uses for gift is from the Greek charis, which means a grace or talent from God. Every charism is a gift of grace because it's supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit to equip a person to undertake a task or service for the benefit of the church. And because they're from the Holy Spirit, they have the capacity to surpass our mere human talent. They either enable what's humanly impossible, such as prophecy, healing, miracles, or they elevate a natural appetite, a natural aptitude, talent, or gift, such as teaching or administration to a supernatural level. Yes, even administration is mentioned as a gift. Hey, God bless the administrators. Hands up if you're an administrator. Come on, let's see it. Yeah, bless you. Can you pray for me for the gift, please, at the end of the service? I desperately need that spiritual gift. Don't I, darling? (laughs) Now, this can be particularly challenging for those of us, which is many of us, who have learned to rely heavily on our own gifts and talents, our own intellect, our own reason, you know, the things we do best. But Paul sets up for us the appropriate posture for using gifts when referring to his own teaching. He says this in 1 Corinthians 2, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise, persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Now, this is Paul with all of his education, with all of his know-how, with all of his talent, with all of his gifts, with all of his theology. It wasn't done in his strength, but through the power of God. And that's the posture that sets us up. It's not about us and what we can achieve. It's in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning I want to explore the gifts, the gift of words of knowledge, because it's one of the most fun. It's the easiest to try. Like you can risk it. It's okay. And it's one of the most profound ways we can be used by God. Some of you will have heard this story on prayer training. It's one of my favorites. We were due to have an Alpha retreat. It was a Friday before the Alpha retreat. I was chilling out, lying in the sun, trying to kind of relax before the Alpha retreat happened because it was going to be a a long weekend. And as I was sitting there kind of just chilling out, I got this flash of an image of a girl that was on the Alpha course. And so I caught that image and, and I sensed that God wanted to say something. So I rang the guy running the Alpha course. I asked him, If he knew of this girl, I didn't know her. I've never met her. She was in another group, but I had this sort of image of her. So I I, I tried to describe her to the best of my ability, to which he replied, yep, I do know her. That's Anna. She's coming on the weekend away. I said, brilliant. He said, mate, why are you asking? I said, I don't know. I was trying to chill out, and I just got this image of her. So I I just wonder whether 
God may want to speak to her on the weekend. We went to the weekend, went through the Saturday. Many of you know the Alpha Weekend has an Alpha retreat in the sort of middle of the course. It's one of the highlights of our Alpha course. And we have a talk on the Holy Spirit. And then we were doing a prayer time at the end. And I, I saw her but didn't get a chance to pray for her. We went through the Saturday, wonderful day, came to the Sunday, same thing happened. And then towards the end of the Sunday session, uh, as we were doing a prayer time, I saw her with her bags and she was about to leave the room. And that's when I felt this urge from the, the Lord to go and pray for her. So I grabbed one of our team, female team members from the prayer team, and we ran up the back. And just as she was about to escape, I said, hi, how you doing? Would it be all right just before you left if we pray for you? To which she responded slightly hesitantly, you know, like I think she probably thought, I'm out of here, I'm good. And, uh, and to which she responded, yeah, okay, I, I guess so. And, and so we took her aside and we just uh, asked her to close her eyes and we prayed for her. And then I got the strangest picture, I think probably one of the strangest pictures I've, I've ever got, which is always uncomfortable when you're about to pray for someone you've never met before. And I got a picture of a guy on a motorbike and he was wearing a particular leather jacket and he went past her on the sidewalk and he had a hammer in his hand and he hit her on the head and she shattered to pieces on the sidewalk. And I thought, Lord, you are kidding me. <laughs> anyway, I said, well, hi, and I've got a really weird picture so I'm just going to share it with you. If it means nothing, it's absolutely fine. But I'm just going to share with you this picture. And as I began to share this picture with her, she would look up and look at me and then look back down and then tear up. Look up, look at me and tear up. By the time I finished the picture, she was absolutely in floods of tears. We prayed for her to be filled with the Spirit. We prayed to bless whatever God was doing. And then she looked at me and she said, the reason I am so emotional is because I was engaged to be married to my childhood sweetheart uh, and we've been engaged for six months and I've just found out that throughout our relationship he's been unfaithful with multiple women um, and here's the thing he rides a motorbike he wears exactly the leather jacket you described and he's a builder construction worker so he has two toolboxes on the side of his bike, and one of them has a hammer. And I feel like he has shattered me to pieces. We got the opportunity to just pray. Well, do you know? The Lord knows. He sees you. He knows you. And the reason he gave me that picture is to speak into your life and let you know he's got you. And he's going to heal you. A word of knowledge is information given supernaturally by the Holy Spirit that discloses a truth which God wishes to make known concerning a particular person's past or present circumstances that brings insight, healing, or reveals something God wants to do. In other words, it's something we have no natural ability to know about through our own knowledge. And they come in a number of ways. They can be through thoughts or impressions. We can hear a word of knowledge either audibly or in our mind's ear. We may see a word of knowledge 
or words superimposed over a person's face or body. They can even come as physical sensations, like pains, sympathy pains in our body. We can be moved to share a verse of scripture. In fact, some of you have probably done this, praying with friends, where you share a verse of scripture that speaks directly into someone's life, and they're like, wow, how did you know that? That verse just means so much to me. I was praying on that verse this week. How did you know? I once prayed for someone who would say, I I wish God would speak to me. Every time I pray for someone, all I get is verses of Scripture. (laughs) Most of the time, they come as either stationary or moving pictures, vision, dream, or situation or incident. I want to encourage you. Could you close your eyes for a moment? We're just going to do a little exercise here. Can I invite you to close your eyes and then I want you to imagine a big red tomato. And I say tomato because that's how we say it. (laughs) Can you imagine a big red tomato? Great, now open your eyes. Now, we're going to do the same exercise again but with a moving image. I want you to close your eyes again, and I want you to imagine that footage of the first man walking on the moon, even if it's fake. Imagine that video of the... (laughs) I'm just joking. It was real. It was real. I want you to close your eyes and imagine that image of the first man walking on the moon. Great. You got that? Great. Now, you saw those images because I asked you to imagine them. And this is exactly what God does to us. He will drop a picture, name, vision, or moving image into our mind's eye. And we start to learn to grow in discerning and understanding. It sort of has an impression, slightly more than a normal image, that we recognize this might be of God. Now, some of you might be thinking, what on earth has a big red tomato got to do with the kingdom of God? We were on a weekend away, on a retreat, and one of the prayer team came up to me after a a prayer session, and he said to me, the strangest thing has just happened. And uh, I was like, oh, go on then, tell tell me the story. He said, you know, I went to pray for this guy, and I put my hand on him and said, can I pray for you? He said, yes, and I got a striking image of a big red tomato, tomato, tomato. (laughs) How was that? Did that sound natural? I'm getting some yeses and some noes. I got an image of a big red tomato. And, and I was like, Lord, are you kidding me? Just an image of a tomato? You want me to share an image of a tomato? And he went into this little wrestle with God about sharing something as simple as an image of a big red tomato. And he, he felt God say, share the image of a big red tomato and say, I see you. Yeah. So he said, hey, mate, I've got a picture. Um, I've got a picture of a big red tomato and then the words, I see you, to which the guy completely broke down. And after a long period of recovery from that word, he then recovered and said to this guy who was praying for him, three days ago, I was at my mother's house. I've had to leave the city that I lived in, all of my friendships and my job and care for my aging, elderly, dying mother. And three days ago, I was in her garden 
I was on my knees and I was gardening and I was crying out to God, what on earth has my life come to? He said, and I was literally crying. And as I cried out that prayer, I reached up and cut her tomato vine and took a big red tomato and put it in a basket to take into the kitchen for her. Something as simple as a big red tomato and the words, I see you. God knows us. God loves us. And God wants to communicate to us and through us. You see, it doesn't have to be about angelic visitations or visions of the third heaven. We don't need to be mystical or weird about it. Like Jesus, the Spirit will give us simple, everyday, domestic images, pictures, or metaphors in a normal language. If this guy had dressed that picture up to say, I see the Garden of Eden, and two trees and a river with crystals and angelic hosts and elders, and they're crying out around the throne, and on the throne is a red tomato. (laughs) We don't need to add to what God gives us. We don't need to make it mystical or weird. Words can be given and received anytime and anywhere. Anywhere They can be about anything and everything, raising the faith in the person who receives them and releasing encouragement that God knows, sees, and understands them in an intimate way. I've shared words of knowledge in Starbucks while surfing in a cocktail bar in a restaurant in Trader Joe's and at two in the morning in a taxi. That was just last night. <laughs> it wasn't. That was a lie. Confession. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus models this rhythm of engaging in ministry and being busy and then withdrawing, engaging and withdrawing, where he practices listening closely to the presence of God. And he's frequently moving in words of knowledge. One of the classic words of knowledge, you'll know this story, is when he meets the Samaritan woman at the well in the Gospel of John. It's important to note the context of this word of knowledge. They're not in a temple, so it's not in a sacred space. They're not in a religious meeting. He's not just finished preaching one of his finest, most powerful sermons. He hasn't prayed to prepare for this moment. It's the middle of the day, and he sits at a well, and he asks a woman for a drink of water. Can't be more commonplace in a situation like that. And as a part of their conversation, he suggests that the woman should go and get her husband, and she replies, I have no husband. And what he's doing is he's setting her up beautifully for the word of knowledge that's about to come. Then he says this. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said, just said, is quite true. The woman's so amazed by the way Jesus speaks into her life that she runs back to her village and it says this, Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come and see the man that told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. And as you know, the story tells us, many Samaritans from that village Follow Jesus as their Messiah. His words of knowledge didn't just change her life, but impacted the lives of others in her village. And in the book of Acts, 
Words of knowledge continue to operate as a gift. In Acts 5, Peter gets insight into the source of corruption in the church with Ananias. Ananias. In Acts 9, God gives the disciple Ananias, a different Ananias, a vision. And in Acts 10, God, gives, um, God uses a vision and a word to get attention, Peter's attention. You see, this is it. I, I have a hunch, I just have a funny hunch that we should be hearing stories like this in LA. We should be hearing stories like, honey, I'm home. Ah, oh, how was your day, honey? Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really strange thing happened today. Oh, what was that, darling? Well, I was at the coffee machine. And you know that guy I've mentioned? He sometimes mentions Jesus. You know that Jesus freak guy? You know, you know him? You know him? Yeah, yeah. Well, he came up to me at the coffee machine and he said he'd been praying for me. And you know what? He completely read my mail. He, he knew things it was impossible for him to know about me. Oh, are you kidding? No, no, for reals. Do you know what I think we should do? I think we should check out their church. I think we should check out his church. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's check out his church. What's it called? It's called Vintage. <laughs> yeah? This is what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Lived out the normal Christian life, operating in the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit in a naturally supernatural, very normal, non-mystical, weird way in the everyday. And the church grows. And the kingdom of God grows and people in darkness begin to turn their attention to the light that is found in Jesus. Yeah. Words of knowledge can be about anything from migraines to heart conditions, dreams and visions to job challenges, changes, warnings, encouragements, blessings and challenges. They can be specific or general. And they can be used as a tool for evangelism. I have seen the most militant, hardest atheists soften to the gospel because they're given a, a word of knowledge that speaks to their heart and, and defies their mind. They can be used to bring healing physically or emotionally, revealing a condition or pain that God wants to heal. And they bring huge encouragement, causing greater faith to rise up in both the heart of the one who shares it, as well as in the heart of the one who receives it. I'm going to tell one more story. Uh, Lauren came to our old church, where we used to work, uh, a church called Rock Harbor in Orange County. Lauren came to church because her life had hit rock bottom. And so she looked up on Google for local churches. And she found this church called Rock Harbor. She came to church. She sat sort of somewhere on this side. And first service in church, she wasn't a believer, didn't believe in Christ, wasn't a churchgoer. And at the end of the service, they did what we do here, what we do at Kingdom Comes. So we have this moment of prayer ministry, of response, which we're going to do at the end of this service. And someone in our team, can't remember who, someone in our team had a word. It was simply this. There is someone here with a serious injury in their left hand and they can't move their hand, and they believe God wants to heal her. So I was given that word. I shared that word among many others, and Lauren would say she was sitting down, and when she heard that word, she distinctly felt the urge that that was for her. 
having never been to church before. Lauren's life had hit rock bottom. She was living the party lifestyle. She'd been to Vegas on a long weekend away. She'd partied so hard that she blacked out one night. She woke up in the hotel room and the room was trashed and she felt pretty, um, pretty hungover and her hand was black and blue. She has no idea what she did with it. In fact, in the doctor's report on the condition of the hand, it puts incident Vegas. Because <laughs> she doesn't know what happened. I wonder how many of those exist. Vegas. What happened to you? Vegas. Um, one thing led to another. They did blood tests. They did tests on her hand. She couldn't move it very well. And they had concluded that she'd so damaged the nerves that she was going to need cortisone injections and she'd probably um, had an arthritic condition that she was then going to have for the rest of her life. She would say not only was her hand damaged in image, but it was an outer symbol of her inner condition. It was an outer symbol of her life just out of control and just how emotionally battered and bruised she also felt. She came forward to receive prayer. She was prayed for by someone from the prayer team who'd only just gone through prayer training and had never prayed for anyone ever before in their life. This girl said that I just put my hands on her shoulder and I prayed very nervously and very hesitantly, come Holy Spirit. <laughs> Lauren would, would say that she felt the heat of God hit her heart and go through her body and a charge of heat go through her hand and her fingers trembled in her injured hand. As she went to go home, her hand started to move more and more. As the week continued on, she began to close her hand closer and closer. And when she did, she would cry. She said, I would close my hand and weep and then open it. Close it, weep, and then open it. One thing led to another. She goes back to the same doctor. And she said to the doctor, look what's happened. And the doctor was like, how on earth has that happened? What's, what's? And she said, well, you're not going to believe this, but I went to a church and I was prayed for. And the doctor replied, wow, that's amazing. What an incredible story. He said, you know, I've got colleagues who have shared stories similar uh, but it's never happened to me before. This is the first time I've heard a story like that for someone I know. Anyway, they did one, th one thing led to another. They did all the same tests, the blood work, and, and effectively her hand was completely healed. She's now got full movability in her hand. Lauren went back to tell her village the story of the man who healed her hand through a word of knowledge and by someone who'd never prayed before. And 35 of them showed up at her baptism. Her sister and brother-in-law became Christians. Her dad became a Christian. She's married and in ministry. She's married a pastor's son. Complete life transformation. This is the power that, that can be released through a simple word of knowledge. If we just have the courage to risk and share them. You have no idea of the impact of what God can do. The beauty of spiritual gifts is they're not just for pastors, teachers, evangelists, or trained professionals on the stage. But every one of us can be used to share a word that has the capacity to impact and extend the kingdom. As Paul reminds us in verse 11, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines now, after an extensive word study, I've discovered that the meaning of each one actually means each one. On the balcony, each one. Every one of us, 
at home, in the courtyard. Every one of us, God wants to use in this way. He wants to give us spiritual gifts. In other words, what he's saying is that if you're a Christian, whether you know it or not, whether you use them or not, you have within you spiritual gifts that have been imparted to you through the Holy Spirit to equip you to live the Christian life and extend the kingdom of God and say, wow, this is the kind of God we serve. This means teachers, dentists, construction workers, artists, models, realtors, lifeguards, students, mothers, even if you work for the IRS. <laughs> you have spiritual gifts, okay? Say out loud, I have spiritual gifts. Yeah, we all have been given the Holy Spirit. And we've all been given with the Holy Spirit spiritual gifts. And Paul emphasizes that exercising our gifts is not optional. It's a sacred responsibility. God's Son died that he would release the Holy Spirit into us, that we might use gifts to extend his kingdom. It's a sacred responsibility. It's a privilege to be using our spiritual gifts. And we are to be a people who eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. He later goes on in Corinthians chapter 14 to say, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. The church is a spiritual body and every one of us has a purpose within that body and spiritual gifts to help us live out that purpose. Some of the most exciting moments of our walk with Jesus, I want to suggest, are those moments when we get a hunch that God wants to use us and we take the risk to step out in faith and obedience to share a word of knowledge with someone. That great book from Ortberg, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. You have to get out of the boat. You have to take the risk. You see, this is why. You might be the only connection point to Jesus that someone has in their life. You might be the only connection point to the kingdom of God that someone has in their life. This week... You might be in a particular place at a particular time and God, you might be the only ambassador of the kingdom of God in that space and God might need to use you to be a stepping stone for someone in their journey to faith. And so he's longing for us to be open to hear his voice to take the risk to think that he just might want to use us to share words of knowledge to people that desperately need to know he exists. And we share them and deliver them and simply leave the rest to him. I've known people that get words as stepping stones along the way as I did in my own journey before I even knew I was headed to the church. And you might be that person this week in someone's life or next week. God is longing for the church 
to learn to operate in our spiritual gifts, not just to encourage each other here on Sundays or at Kingdom Comes, but to reach out to those in our city who desperately need to know that Jesus loves them, sees them, and knows them intimately. This is the adventure of faith. And this is, I believe, what he's inviting us as a church into. So let's pray. Can I invite you to stand, please? Thanks for joining us for another week. We'd love to connect with you at one of our gatherings or online at vintagechurchla.com.